0: Welcome to the Untitled Investment Talk, the podcast about all things digital assets. Welcome. We have a very special topic today for our podcast show. Special because we want to talk about a very special category of digital assets. NFTs, non-fungible tokens in play-to-earn games. I'm super excited to learn more about play-to-earn, NFTs, and how to invest in P2E, so play-to-earn projects. So really happy to have two experts with me. As always, Simon Schaber as a co-host. Greetings from Berlin to... It's not Vienna this time, right?
1: No, it's Taichung in Taiwan. No, greetings back to Berlin.
0: Cool. And we have a guest who knows P2E, so play-to-earn in and out who is partner at Faculty Group, a crypto and blockchain-focused incubator, Accelerator, and VC. Greetings from Berlin to Adelaide, Australia. Great to have you on the show, Luke Lom.
2: And returning the greetings back to you, Carmichael. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you.
0: Pleasure, it's definitely on our side. Luke, before we start to talk about how Web3 and NFTs transform the online gaming market, let our listeners understand better what Faculty Group is all about.
2: Absolutely. Okay, so Faculty Group is best described as a Web3 venture studio. We are five companies rolled into one into the group. There are five founding partners, of which I'm one of the founding partners, three Aussies and two European And in the five companies, we have around about 150 people in our team, and they're spread across market making, which is actually how faculty groups started. It was a market maker back in the day, and has evolved to include marketing as well through various sort of social guerrilla growth hacking marketing channels used in in crypto and, and blockchain. We are a VC. We've been deploying our own partner funds now for the past few years and have built a A pretty substantial portfolio of over 120 projects that we've invested into in the blockchain and web3 space uh, including quite a few play to earn and and gamefi related uh, projects and we are an incubator and accelerator like you mentioned in the introduction which is where i spend personally most of my time and that is where we we work very closely with projects that have a very interesting value proposition managed by a fantastic team And they need some help in bringing that idea to market. And so we leverage all of the resources we have across market making, marketing, advisory, consultancy, and investment. And then we parlay that into a full support service where we help them with the whole Web3 build side of their business. And then recently, just to close things out, we also set up an entertainment division where we're managing celebrity and entertainment ventures in Web3. And that's based out of Los Angeles. So there's quite a few things that go on inside the faculty group.
0: Hey, that's cool. Thanks for this kind of comprehensive introduction into faculty group. And you talk about yeah, an entertainment section. It does play to earn fall into this entertainment category for you? Or is it a separate category you invest in or you accelerate company?
2: No, entertainment captures gaming, absolutely. I mean, the gaming, you would hope, is entertaining. And I guess that's actually one of the things (laughs) we'll talk about briefly in Play to Earn, where there's a question mark about how entertaining some of these Play to Earn games are. But yes, that's certainly captured in faculty entertainment.
0: Okay. Then maybe for our uh, listeners, what's Play to Earn about? Why is it called GameFi? Sure.
2: So Play to Earn is... Pretty self-descriptive in so much that it's about playing games and earning money. Now, if you look sort of historically at the gaming sector and the traditional gaming space, there have been opportunities for people to excel in sort of the various games and and potentially in living or even better. If you look at esports and some of the championships that have spun up around the world with these multiplayer online games like League of Legends and Dota 2 and, and so on. But for the general population, that's kind of out of reach. And so what play to earn is really about is about providing an a incentive mechanism whereby if you are good at what you do and you're playing in a game with other people, that you can potentially be earning cryptocurrency through the process. GameFi is like a lot of FIs, DeFi, for example, decentralized finance. GameFi is game finance. And so really that's just capturing the finance and economic side of this new Sort of burgeoning industry in so much that it's now sort of reframing gaming pardon the, the little rhyme there but it's reframing gaming so that it becomes more of a finance economics and monetarily backed ecosystem
1: now you've already touched a little bit on the answer to my next question but why do we really need blockchain technology for this to work in the past we've seen marketplaces um, come up and also um, kind of disappear again we've seen some successful Areas like Wealth, Counter-Strike Global Offensive, skin trading, where millions and millions are made just from in-game items. But why do we really need blockchain tech and what difference do, for example, NFTs make here?
2: Yeah, it's a great question. And honestly, in a lot of cases, you don't need blockchain technology. That's just the reality. And I think this is what we're starting to see now is that blockchain has a really fantastic use case, but it needs to be properly applied. So why do I say in, in a lot of cases you don't need blockchain Well, because like you've just said, there's already an established industry where people are being able to profit trade and and engage in these sort of entrepreneurial side activities around the gaming sector. Where blockchain does add some value is that obviously, and it sounds a bit of a cliche, but blockchain has this immutability and it has this transparency aspect, but it also has this international, global, ease, frictionless sort of aspect whereby you you can sort of move money in and out of payment mechanisms by using blockchain. And so that's where it it does offer some benefit. So in the play to earn category where blockchain might be useful is you would have a token economy, for example, that underlies a particular game. There is an in-game currency and by carrying out certain activities, winning certain competitions, you earn that currency. And that currency is a Uh, it's on a public ledger it's a cryptocurrency therefore it's easily exchangeable on any number of decentralized exchanges or potentially even centralized exchanges so you're not dealing with this third-party intermediary or the actual game producer to who has your funds locked up in behind a sort of a curtain it's it's out there for everyone to see so there is an there is a, a wider acceptance for people to play these games when they know that they can earn these Cryptocurrencies—they can easily convert into Bitcoin, Ethereum, USDT, or C, or any other stable coin, or any other token for that matter. So I think that's where it gives a lot of ease and removes some of that friction from the from the experience. So the point earlier about why we don't need blockchain technology is because some of these games are using it incorrectly, I would say, and it really comes down to some of the token economics, and we, we may want to touch on a little later. But some of the leading games that have emerged that have sort of been the, the bastions of the space over the past year or two have been built on some economies that aren't really sustainable. And so you would argue that the the blockchain is, it's not really helping uh, these particular games apart from what is sort of been driving the hype in the initial sense. But if I could probably take a step back from that and say that blockchain does add a layer of transparency, and again, that immutability and that ease of access that sort of unlocks a whole new sort of paradigm of potential within the space. And in terms of the NFTs, well, the NFTs, you know, they require the blockchain because this is where we have a, a whole new dimension. So NFTs, you mentioned before, Carmichael, is a non-fungible token. It's just a different type of token. Which obviously fungible means that interchangeable, exchangeable, and one is like the other. So your twenty-dollar note, I believe euro, I should say, is probably the same as my twenty-dollar euro, and we can swap them and they make no difference. But if they're non-fungible, it means that each one has a different attribute to it, and so. NFTs in the, in the game GameFi space, in the play-to-earn space, often represent either items or assets within the game itself. Like before you mentioned the skins, you, you, you can talk about the avatars, the, the, the guns or the swords or the various attributes that can be built and earned over time and provide greater value for the user. And so when you have an NFT version, you have proper ownership, whereby previously in those games you mentioned before, Simon, when you're trading these skins, you're trading in a closed ecosystem that's controlled by the parent company, essentially. You don't really own that asset because that asset is recorded on a ledger, which exists under the control of this particular parent. When that asset is turned into an NFT, that NFT has a record on a public ledger on the blockchain. And it means that I can then have that in my wallet. It means that I own it. No one can take it away from me. And as an asset, I can then trade that asset. So it opens up the potential to expand upon that existing infrastructure of skin and emote trading that's been existing prior, and it, it provides a whole new level and dimension to it. Uh, so NFTs, that's why there was a, a sort of a huge wave of excitement and euphoria of NFTs, which, depending on which way you're looking at the market, is uh, receding to some extent. But there's certainly a utility function there that I think is quite exceptional and will sort of bear itself out over time.
1: It seems like all of this, all of these new opportunities, kind of lend themselves to games that mainly focus on a collect collecting part, like collecting, gathering, and then utilizing those resources. I mean, many of the games that we've seen so far that um, rose to prominence, like um, Avegotchi, like um, uh, Gods Unchained as a card game, a collectible card game and maybe even CryptoKitties, if we see the breeding aspect as kind of a game. They are centered very much around gathering some almost uh, Pokemon-like individual tokens and then improving them, breeding them, mixing them. Uh, What kind of genres and categories do you think are the most promising when it comes to Gamify? Are they all kind of around the collectibles space, or do you think we see other emerging categories really dominant in the future when it comes to the genre of the games? Yeah, it's an interesting one. And I think
2: think that there are certain categories of games that this sort of tokenization and the NFTs and having this in-game currency that is able to be exchanged more readily into real cash, for example, I think that lends itself to a particular type of game more than others. But honestly, it's really quite broad. And I think that there are a whole wave of different categories of games that this will be applied to. And I can give you a couple of examples. We invested into a first-person shooter, which is very much like a Call of Duty game, which is still currently in production. Obviously, you know anything about gaming, these first-person shooters take a long time and a huge team and a lot of money to build out if you're building a really high quality one. Within that game environment, there are obviously all the different assets that you can acquire that can make you stronger uh, and, and harder to kill, essentially. Uh, this particular game, you have these these this armor body parts, which you can acquire that strengthens you or these weapons that you can acquire. All of these things are NFTs. So as you're acquiring these things, you can then trade them in much the same way as you would on an existing uh, skin market. But you're able to potentially extract um, really high valuations for these things if there is obviously a latent demand. And also if there is a play to earn economy underneath it, then these attributes allow you to earn more money. And so that's where they have this this higher value attributed to them. So that's a first-person shooter. You have these card games, like you mentioned, with Gods Unchained on Immutable. There are these sort of magic-the-gathering type of games where, again, you have these attributes that make you more successful throughout the gameplay. There are games like Pool. I mean, there is a popular game on... I won't name it, but there is a popular game in the App Store, which is a pool game, and it has an in-game currency. i was been recently talking to the the... The original developers of that game that they then on sold to a very large gaming studio and they're doing this basically the same game again but with a better physics engine and they're attaching a cryptocurrency to it so you can see that this hyper casual game where someone can spend just a couple of minutes playing a game of pool but battling it out with someone else and earning tokens but the nft in this situation would be the pool cube so you'd be upgrading that that item so that you get a harder shot, better spin, other attributes that again, make you a slightly better pool player and and give you a higher chance of success or winning. So that's where the value of these, these NFTs can be attributed to. And then again, if you take it even further into that sort of hyper casual space, there's a project that we're incubating, where there are these very common traditional board games that have been converted into this multimedia type of experience games that you don't you don't really need a token for i mean you'll play these games they are fun to play uh but by adding a token you are adding a whole new sort of gameplay mechanism and and making the the experience much much richer so someone who'd ordinarily be playing a game of jeopardy or family feud or monopoly or cards against you or whatever there's a there's a bunch of different titles where you could be playing these games but once you you open up the the unlock the doors to playing against other people and where you're staking some of these tokens for the gameplay, then it, it adds a new dimension to that gameplay. So I think that really any game is capable of being disrupted by the sector. It's just a matter of how it's applied.
1: No, I think that makes a lot of sense. Maybe to my next question here, I think there's two ways that things can go and why I feel like many in the gaming community are kind of split on blockchain tech and NFTs in in games. So the one way could be that... It opens up an opportunity for people that play games a lot and and also um, in a lot of their brain power and become very good and skilled at the game to earn proper money from doing so from their skills. On the other on the other hand side, it could also lead to a sort of pay to win environment where only those that are able to invest large, maybe even five digit dollar amounts into the game are competitive. Now, where do you stand? How do you see this kind of? ambivalency this contradiction a bit between those two possible developments what do you think where are we going in the maybe medium and near future in in gamify
2: yeah i think that's a really interesting one and one thing about crypto that i think is fascinating is just how quickly it evolves how fast it's moving you know you look at a year in crypto And in the traditional world, it's like dog years. It's like one year to seven years. And so, an idea or a concept that worked really well twelve months ago, even six months ago, no longer, no longer really works. And and one of those models I think that is under threat is the guild, gaming guilds ecosystem, whereby you have exactly what you're talking about here. This need. So, if you can essentially have a a set of attributes in these NFTs, in these in-game assets that you can acquire and buy and pay money for to make you better and perform better inside the game, then you can buy your way to success in this pay to earn, not play to earn kind of idea here. And I think that's where the gaming girls come in because they, what they do, if people aren't familiar with it, is they're essentially, for want of a better term, they're a sweatshop for gamers. So you have most often in the Southeast Asian communities, you know, Philippines, Indonesia, through those kinds of areas in Africa as well, you have these people that are playing games for hours that are being lent these NFTs, in order to improve their ability to earn money within the game and then the player gets a share of the revenue they earn most of the revenue goes back to the guild who it is that actually owns the nft asset in the first place it's a really interesting model and it's something that blew up you know around a year year and a half ago and and with games like Axie infinity and there's a few others there when most of the gameplay is sponsored gameplay. And what I mean by that is where it's essentially guilds playing, so paying these plays to play. The reality is, and I'm gonna upset a few people, but games like Axie are just not fun. And a lot of these games are simply not fun. And so it's not really play to earn, it's like work to earn. These guys are working. They're actually sitting there and they're playing games, they're earning these this revenue, and then they're they're shipping it back to the to the company, to the guild. That's not sustainable. I mean, that's already proving to be unworkable. And so you're seeing sort of some rapid evolution in thinking around how that can be fixed because you have some Ponziomics built into some of these games as well, which is, you know, apart from the market being in a bit of a terrible state, you're seeing sort of a rapid decline in these token asset or token prices. Uh, So, yeah, I think that there needs to be a rethink of how that works. and, And ultimately, and what we're already seeing is people don't even refer to it as play to earn anymore. It's play and earn. Because already people realize that play to earn isn't really what it says it is. You're not playing; you're kind of working. And there aren't that many people. As much as it is a nice idea that oh, everyone has access now, this their freedom democratized exposure to uh, the ability to play a game and earn money if you're good at it. Well, it's not still not the same. It's still not the case because it's not a level playing field. And to your point, Simon. You know, you can have whales that own the assets, the NFTs that give them the power to then you know essentially crush their competitors. So. Play to earn is now play and earn. And that really means, and everyone who's raising money in the category is really trying to focus on the fact that, hey, we actually have a really fun game that's really enjoyable to play. And it's not built on just a play to earn mechanic that there is this, you know, people are going to want to play just because they like it. Oh, and by the way, you can potentially earn money while you're playing it as well. So the idea that you can make a living playing games, it's still an elusive one, frankly. And I think that we're, we're a little bit closer than we were Prior to play to earn. But the reality is that it's, you know, it's not quite as rosy as we'd, we'd make it out.
0: So you don't think players can get rich with play to earn or play and earn?
2: No, the short answer is no. Okay. The longer answer is sure. If you really excel and you have, some, you know, certain capabilities within a particular game environment and you, you manage to acquire the assets necessary to equip yourself, then you have the potential to earn some money. I wouldn't be, you know, I wouldn't be quitting my day job. Yeah put
0: it that way okay let's maybe switch from the fundamentals of play to earn to the kind of investor perspective how did you personally get into this play to earn or play and earn ecosystem when was it the first time that that you Hmm. whatever either played a game or you had an investment proposal on your table how did this go
2: Okay, I'd like to be able to say that I play games, but I don't have time with a four-year-old or one-year-old, and <laughs> trying to keep <laughs> keep hundred and fifty people in check within the faculty group. There's a lot going on, so I'm, I've got a dusty old PS5, PS4. Can't even remember what it is. It's been that long since I've looked at it. Must be PS4, I guess. Uh, but anyway, so no, I'm not much of a player these days. When did we make our first investment? It would have been in either Alluvium or Star Atlas. These are one of the. These are two of the first games to emerge as play-to-earn games. Um, Alluvium is out of Australia, Star Atlas is out of uh, America. We invested in the seed round for both of these. They are both highly successful launches and doing very well in the market. It was through these two initial investments that we started to really expand our interest in the game GameFi space. We've since made, I think, around 20 or 30 investments into various games, if I'm honest. There's probably fifteen too many <laughs> because I think in the in the in the, in the buzz and, and the hype of a bull market, uh, you know, people are a little less discriminatory with with how they allocate funds and we were certainly in that space. It was a bit of a spray and pray approach, I'm not ashamed to say it. But that works, you know, a lot of these investments do pay off. But in terms of the sustainability of some of these games, I just don't think they're going to stand the test of time. I think Alluvium's great. I think Star Atlas is great. I think there are several out there that, you know, won't be around in the next year or two. And that's the other thing that we need to sort of think about here in terms of, if you're an investor, what sort of time horizon are you looking at for a return on your investment? The beautiful thing about crypto is, is that you, know, you are not in an equity scenario whereby you invest in equity in a company and you need to wait for some kind of liquidity event, which could be a year, two, three, four, five in the making until you're actually made whole. But you get your tokens unlocked sooner than that. And depending on how much organic demand is there, you have an ability to exit your position through these token holdings. But that being said, you just need to look at you know typical games in the traditional space in the non-web3 space and what their shelf life is like how long does a game hang around for and actually have healthy sales before it's superseded and the answer is not long you know you're looking at a year or two at best and then you know you're on to the next version the next version the next version so you need to to be able to get out of your exit within that time frame so if you're looking at large or long cliffs and slow vestings then in addition to the volatility of the market it's something that you might want to consider as an investor into gamify
1: now if someone is in general bullish on gamify and on play to earn models and wants exposure to this growing market as you just mentioned shelf life of games are generally pretty short of course unless and yeah unless they're constantly updated unless there's a constant flow of content like with massive Open online games like MMORPGs, for example, like World of Warcraft, or also online battle arenas, or esports titles like, I mean, StarCraft has been around for what is now 30 years with two games, and uh, League of Legends has been around for a very long time. Like these keep going. And it feels like many of the crypto play to earn titles want to be perceived as the next esports title, the next title that's going to be around for 20 years. But then again, as you mentioned, that's not very realistic, first of all, because most of them aren't fun. Secondly, most of them are also not very competitive. They're mostly very grindy. But yeah, how would you explain to a new investor into the crypto NFT play to earn game genre and asset class as to what to look out for if they want exposure, if they want to build a portfolio that represents the growth of this category in general?
2: Yeah, good, great question. I would say the team is the the biggest thing to look at here, and
1: and looking at
2: the capabilities of the team and what we're seeing now and have been for some months is the uh, the movement of a lot of you know really strong developers from big EA, Activision, Blizzard, Riot Games, and so on that have been building some of the biggest titles we know, moving into this Web three space, seeing the opportunity to you know to work in a play and earn game and build something quite convincing. I think it's really about the capabilities of the team. And their vision in terms of what they're hoping to achieve and to your point there's absolutely every chance that a game could have a much longer shelf life than one or two years and you would hope that you know some of these do it really depends in if these if the team are in it for the real reason that they want to build something meaningful in the space or if they're in it for a quick buck um, and let's be real crypto is full of people that are in it for a quick buck so be mindful of that be mindful of the development time horizons because again with high quality games you need you know, huge teams working for a long time, sometimes 150 people working for two or three years to produce a convincing first person shooter. So what sort of gameplay pattern and activity are they actually trying to create here? What's the viability of them getting it out within a reasonable sort of amount of time? And these are sort of things that I would be I'd be certainly looking at. I think that and again back to my point, the the token economy underneath these games is is highly important. And these economies have been evolving very quickly away from what this, you know, what Axi infinity started with these somewhat ponzi economics through to more sustainable economics so looking at the team their capabilities looking at their vision the type of game they're creating and how they will be situated in the market looking at when that game's likely to be released and the token economy is sort of supporting are probably some of the key things i'll be looking at there's obviously a lot more and when we as faculty capital doing our dd we have a very comprehensive evaluation criteria that we go through where we we talk to the teams you know at at length. And in fact, the other thing for us is that we're not investing in games per se these days. In fact we haven't invested in a game for some time now. We are investing in game studios. So we're happy to support the teams behind the games because we know that, you know, they might not Depending on the game again, they might not nail it every time. They can release a game, it doesn't quite work, or it doesn't quite fire, but they have capabilities, they can go into another game. So if you're behind the team that's producing the game, then you're you're in it for a bit of a longer time horizon, but you have the opportunity to de-risk yourself a little bit rather than just investing into that one title and hoping that one title hits.
0: Does category play a role in your selection? So you see certain categories you would exclude and other categories and play to earn you would favor?
2: Not so much, only to the extent that, that the, the timing, like for example, if there was a first-person shooter, we would really think hard about that because we know how hard it is to make one of these games that you know, it would be a difficult decision for us to invest into something like that. If it was leaning more towards the hyper-casual sector, now, I think there is a lot of upside there. Frankly, I think something like that pool game that I mentioned earlier is it's an, it's an easier game to build, requires far few devs, it requires a lot less time, but there's a stickiness to it whereby once you're playing it it's that little it's the game that you're sitting in your board like Candy Crush you pull out your phone and you start playing it for a few minutes and I think that there's that's an underrepresented market in the game space and I think everyone's trying to go for the big smash out of the park new Call of Duty but with the play-to-earn economics that's that's a harder one to nail especially if you know someone like Ubisoft or Activision come along and say oh guess what Tom Clancy's Rainbow Six or the new all the duties now got a token behind it then it blows everyone else out of the water so we we'd be leaning towards games that have a less onerous development timeline
0: okay second last question your investments are they only token investments or also, are you also doing equity investment in these companies
2: we split between both primarily and when we started it was really token only and now we take a lot a lot more of a, a balanced approach there are Value accrues into projects in different ways. So value can uh, accrue into a game or a project through the token, and that's quite clearly displayed by the token economics, or it can accrue into the parent company that's the creator of that particular project. And often there's different value that accrues into both areas. So we like to take uh, sort of hedge ourselves by taking position in both and often we'll take an equity position and a token position if we really like a particular project. We've also spun up and in the process of closing out a $25 million Cayman fund, which is the first time we've actually invested other people's money. with. have so far only been investing our own money and so with that we have a five-year fixed fund term here and we're looking to obviously try to provide as much of a return within that five-year time horizon so while we are making equity investments also in there we're just sort of balancing out you know the, the liquidity the liquidity events and where we expect to accrue the most value so but both is the short answer
0: That makes a lot of sense, especially from a risk diversification perspective. Now, our last question, which is the so-called golden question. Normally a little bit challenging and here as well, I think. How do you see the play-to-earn or play-and-earn space evolving? I mean, token prices were really tanking uh, recently. Axie Infinity suffered suffered a huge exploit. Who's going to survive this play-to-earn winter in your opinion?
2: Mm. Those that have good treasury management are sitting on piles of money. (laughs) They're the guys that will survive. If they've got a big team and they're burning through cash, uh, they want to be careful because, you know, the length of this bear market is anyone's guess. I think that we are in some pretty strange times right now. And unfortunately, the crypto economy never really decoupled from the macro economy. So whatever happens in the macro market is just having its reverberations felt very clearly in the crypto space. So who knows um, how long we're in this for? Traditionally, bear markets have run for around three years. I hope this is shorter than that. I really do. I have a <laughs> feeling it will be shorter than that. But I don't think we'll be out of it before the end of the year is my feeling. I think we've got more down to go than up. So, so yeah, who's going to survive? It's It's anyone's guess how do i see it coming along i see there as being huge potential in the space gaming is a massive sector it is bigger than hollywood and there is so much money in it and then when you add this new incentive structure behind it and having this play to earn or play and earn blockchain based architecture underneath it when done well when exploited properly I think there is massive value to be gained, not just for the games and the game producers, but for the users of those games as well. It provides a heightened sense of playability. There's a lot of you know, opportunity. And while I don't think anyone's going to be You know, well, that's not true. Some people will quit their day job, no doubt about it. There'll be a lot of people that make money out of this and can sustain an income. I just don't think that will be most people. Anyone who has these dreams and thinks, okay, I'm good at this game, I'm going to be able to quit my job and stop working. I think you just need to disavow yourself of that notion and, and understand that it's going to be a bit more competitive than that. So all in all, I think the overall macro situation has a big bearing on how things play out. But in terms of this particular category in the crypto space, I'm very bullish on it. I think that GameFi has got a a really big future. And that's why you can see some of these developers moving out of the traditional established big studios to set up games within this realm. So it's exciting times ahead, but just it might be a bit of a wait before we get there. That's all.
0: Super interesting talk, Luke. You gave us and our listeners definitely a much deeper understanding of what the Web3 games are all about and how to invest in this space. If I would wrap the whole thing up, and, and here I quote a, I think, a very deep expert in play to earn. This play to earn is all about reframing gaming, right? So, Luke, thank you so much for joining us today. It was really cool. Hope you enjoyed the show as well. I had a Special great thanks. time.
2: Thank yeah. you, Carl Michael.
0: <laughs> Definitely. Special thanks also, and as always, to my great co-host Simon. And Simon, really looking forward to having you back in Europe in a, in a couple of days.
1: Oh, me as well. Really looking forward to being in the same time zone again. Uh, it's okay. tough in Asia, miss- isn't it, Simon?
2: I'm in, yeah. in Australia. It's always, it's always a challenge dealing with Europe and America, which is where all the action is. But
0: Yeah, yeah guys, I really had to get up early for you guys <laughs> to get this whole thing running here. Yeah? <laughs> Anyhow, dear listeners, we hope you enjoyed the job today. Thanks for listening. Stay tuned. Stay loyal to the Untitled Investment Talk, the podcast about all things digital assets. All signal, no noise.